Hey, you came back. And well, if this is your first time, welcome to the Come Again podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Bartley, and this is where we're exploring ideas and concepts and even building the frameworks around storytelling and reinvention. So let's pick up where we left off. From the last episode, we started to refine our paradigm that was based on this the levels of reinvention. And at the bottom level, we had this inverted triangle, but I don't know if it needs to be inverted anymore, but let's just start from the inversion. Uh, at the bottom level, we had resetting your habits. And I think I might update that to resetting your routine, which is when your habits are no longer serving you. And then we realign your goals when the progress is lacking or the priority shift. And then it's reinventing your life when you're perpetually unfulfilled. So let's uninvert the inverted triangle. So we're going to turn the upside down triangle upside down. And I mean, really, what side is really side up? We, we don't write side up. We're not really sure. But let's go ahead and flip it around and make the foundation the broad side of the isometric triangle. Let's make the first level reinventing your life. Here's the challenge, everyone. Not every time there's something that happens in your life do you need to feel the need to reinvent yourself. Many times it's perhaps just doing a realignment of the goals where you have to reprioritize some things, have a moment or a day or maybe even a week, take a sabbatical if you have the opportunity to do so to figure out what your visions are or what your vision is. Many times you should just really have one many times, focus on one at a time, unless you are that person who can do multiple things. There are people like that in the world, but let's just take it one step at a time. That one vision with your multiple values and figure out why isn't it aligned and how you need to realign it. And then you go to the next level, which is more practical. How do you actually align those, those goals or, or that vision and you do that by resetting the habits. So now that we've got that in place, we've got some questions rolling in and we're just going to dive right into it. All right. Is that okay? I'm sure it is because you said yes on the other end, even though I know I can't hear you. So let's start off with the first question and, and I'm going to answer these from a high level. All right. So just keep that in mind. The first question is, I've been feeling stuck lately and was wondering what steps can I take to start reinventing myself? You know, so a few years back, this is a great question, and I think it's probably a core question. A few years back, I when you spend when you I, well here, let me back up and let me slow down a little bit. When you spend a lot of time, enough time introspecting and really thinking about parts of your life or maybe even life in general, I truly believe you can come up with frameworks or you can come up with paradigms or steps that are universal and it may even feel as if you were the only one that came up with it but then you realize oh no there was actually a whole nother model that existed before i even came up with it it comes with life experiences maybe pieces of excerpts of, from a book you've read whatever the case is and i came up with something that was very similar to the ikigai model and i had no idea that ikigai I-K-A-G-A-I existed. No idea. And I actually used Venn diagrams. Uh, well, one Venn diagram, but with like four different circles. And, and I kid you not, when I saw this for the first time, I believe it was, 
uh, through uh, Chris Doe, he was doing a a workshop and and sharing how to uh, you know live or to to be profitable in your passion. And I said to myself, there is no way, there is no way that what I created years ago is so eerily similar to what he created. And then I realized it wasn't even something that he created, but it was a framework that he adopted from an old, you know, from an ancient Japanese, I believe it is, framework. So here's what the Ikigai model is. I teed all of that up just to explain what the Ikigai model is. So there are four uh, circles and these circles overlap, creating this dynamic Venn diagram. And it starts off, well, I can't say starts off, but at the top, you typically would have what you love. And then you can think about what you're good at. That would be the second one. Then you think about what you can get paid for. That's probably the most practical one that's there, right? And then what does the world need? So if you start off with these four things, you can write it in a list. You can create a huge Venn diagram if you want with these three, with these four circles. And then you can, you know, kind of write in if you'd like. But I would start there to answer your question, because feeling stuck, sometimes you do need to start reinventing yourself, right? But I will go back to that framework, the levels of reinvention, which really there's only one level of reinvention, but, you know, the levels of reinvention and then realigning and resetting. First, ask yourself, do I need to reinvent myself? If I do, you can use something like the Ikigai model. And it's really cool. You can just Google it and you'll see how the, the overlapping circles have different dynamics. So what you love blended with what you're good at will equal your passion. And what you're good at blended with what you can be paid for would equal your profession. And what you can be paid for blended with what the world needs would be your vocation. And what the world needs blended with what you love would be your mission. And if you take all of those things together, your passion, profession, vocation, mission, all of it together, it forms what is called the Ikigai. The Japanese secret to a successful or to a joyful rather life. And yes, there is a difference between success and joy. There are many people who are successful out there, but they're not happy. All right. So I would consider a framework like this. But before you do ask yourself the question, is a reinvention really necessary? Maybe you start at the tip of our inverted triangle, which sounds so much more ridiculous now that we've been flipping it around in different directions, but resetting the routine. Maybe you need to switch some things up. There's no need, there's no need, and I'll, I'm going to say this probably two times. There's no need to renovate the house when all you need to do is rearrange the furniture. I'll say it again. There is no need to renovate the house when all you need to do is rearrange the furniture. So before you consider reinventing yourself, ask yourself the question, does my routine simply need to change? Can that be the thing to serve me with the vision that I'm still passionate about? And if it's not, then ask yourself, hmm, does my vision need to change? What do I need to realign? How do my goals need to realign with the vision that I have and the values that I have still, uh, that I still use as a foundation? And if the realignment still doesn't work, and by the way, this takes some time, and I'm not talking about a couple days, this could potentially, depending on what the situation is, it could take months. It could take a couple of years. 
And you're probably like, what? I should take years to choose to reinvent myself? It depends. It really does depend on your situation. Some of y'all need to reinvent like ASAP. <laughs> y'all need to reinvent like right now. Your values are out of whack. The vision that you have does not align with anything that you're passionate about. It doesn't serve your profession and it definitely is not mission-minded. Yeah, go ahead <laughs> and ikigai yourself right now. But for many of you, it's not the foundation. It is, it's not your reinvention. You just need a little realignment. Or maybe you just need some routines that need to be reset. All right. So great question. Let's do the next one. I'm considering a complete career change at this point in my life. Any advice on how to successfully reinvent my professional identity? Mm -hmm. You know, this actually can be answered with the Ikigai model. So it can overlap or the, the, the answer is transferable. Uh, anything additional that I would say here though, is ask yourself that, you know, there is, there's a, there's a book called so good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. And I don't know if it's in that book, I believe it might be, or maybe it's in his book, deep work where he talks about career capital. And there's this idea that with the amount of experience and, and wisdom and expertise that you have built over a certain amount of years, the question is, is it worth leaving all of that behind to start a new trajectory, begin on a new path that has nothing to do with what you have built over the last, let's say decade, maybe two decades. I, I see this question as someone who has already been seasoned, right, in their career versus someone who's probably uh, just starting out, someone who's a little bit younger, uh, for them, I would say, taste, taste the world. You know, you're not married to anything just yet. And even, even when you're older, even if you're in your sixties, you're still not married to any profession. It's really a mindset. However, for those of us that are further along in our career, I would ask, what is your career capital looking like? Does it need to be a complete career change or are there some transferable skills or are there some experiences? Maybe you're staying in the industry, but maybe you're working on the other side of something. Like maybe um, you have been doing sales for so long, but you're now wanting to, uh, I don't know, work as a designer in the same company. It's funny because me working where I'm at right now, I'm a design instructor, but we definitely have different teams. And so that could apply to me, right? Where let's say one day I say, hmm, you know what? I love education, but I would love to experience another part of the same industry, but on the other side or on another side, rather. I probably don't want to be front facing, but maybe I want to be in the background or whatever the case is, or maybe I want to do more administration or and you have to ask yourself a few questions. And maybe one of them is, does it have to be out totally outside of the industry that you've built your career capital in? Now, this probably goes back to our framework that we started building. So the reinvention, have the values changed? Because maybe if your values have changed, you probably need to leave the industry altogether. Uh, think about the Ikigai model as well. Maybe you're just no longer passionate about it. It doesn't matter how much career capital you built. You just, you're just ready to leave. You're ready to try something new, something different. You're willing to take the risk. That's fine too. So I would start there. Ask yourself, can I, can I find joy 
or satisfaction, even within the same company? Is there an opportunity to explore something different before totally leaving? And then if not the company, the industry. And you know, that's where, that's where I'd start. Now, if I had more time to think about it, of course, and kind of ruminate over my own life as well, I'd give you some deeper answers, but high level, we're going high level here. Hopefully that's, that's, uh, that's going to be helpful for you. Uh, next question. Could you share some stories or examples of people who've completely transformed their lives and successfully reinvented themselves? I think I mentioned in the last episode, good question, that I was going to start exploring individuals who have done that. Notable people that we probably have all, uh, in some form or fashion, can maybe um, recognize by name. And uh, I'll, I'll give two. And even with these examples, I want you to understand that there are even levels, even with these people's lives, there are levels of what reinventing actually looks like. J.K. Rowling, uh, so many of you will know who she is, a British author best known for creating the Harry Potter fantasy series. Um, and before her success as a writer, though, she faced personal challenges, including being a single mother living on welfare. Now, there's a, there, there's a story behind that. And once again, high level here. And so if I dive a little bit deeper or dig deeper into this story, as you can see, you can probably you might surmise that hmm, the reinvention was being a single mother to now being a successful writer. Was that really the case? We'd have to go deeper. I, I don't know the full autobiography, so I would have to do my due diligence. But there was a level, had to have been a level of some sort of reinvention that happened from where she transitioned to. And, and I don't want to say the single mother versus the writer. What if she was still a writer, but she just happened to be a single mother? Right? Maybe the values were always there. But let's just use her as an example because her passion for writing and storytelling led her to create the magical world of Harry Potter. And then the series became a global phenomenon and then her books have sold millions of copies worldwide. Now I will say this, every reinvention does not end, successful reinvention does not end in a pot of gold. So just keep that in mind. But I did mention J.K. Rowling because I do believe that there are individuals who believe that the reinvention that you need can take you out of the current situation that you are not happy in. So I don't know if there's some mindset shifts that she had to do there, maybe some realignment, and then maybe some routines, you know, or maybe it was just sticking it out. Maybe her routine was fine. Once again, I'd have to dig in deeper, but yeah, we can use her as a case study, but also I think another notable person that I have, I didn't even know his story until, uh, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, Robert Downey Jr. Many of you know him as well, American actor, faced personal struggles with substance abuse earlier in his career. I did not know that. About a decade ago, I had no idea. But despite the setbacks, he managed to overcome these challenges and then reinvent himself. So his comeback began with critically acclaimed performances in films like Chaplin. So some of you might've remembered Chaplin or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but his most significant reinvention came with his portrayal of Tony Stark. Now, you all know Tony Stark from Iron Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what that did was it propelled him to this superstardom and becoming one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. And I would even say this, I would say that Robert, Robert Downey Jr has also maybe reinvented himself again in 
the movie Oppenheimer. I don't know if any of you've seen that, but man, what a great movie. Uh, I probably somehow can kind of fit storytelling. I mean, because this is about a storytelling and reinvention, right? But today we'll just talk about reinvention. But he played Louis Strauss in Oppenheimer, and I did not recognize him in the first few seconds. And then I said, wow, hold on, wait a minute. That's not, I think uh, the other guy that I was thinking about was like Jeremy Iron, who I thought was, you know, that was the actor that played uh, Louis Strauss. Nah, it was Robert Downey Jr. So anyway, that being said, reinvention can happen in different facets. So clearly he was an actor when he suffered from uh, substance abuse and he was still an actor when he overcame that. That's great. But you have another level of reinvention where it's not within the industry. Remember we talked about that with the first question that was asked, but it can be maybe he just totally turned and decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm now going to be not even a director, like just something totally outside of um, acting. Like he says, you know what? Acting is no longer for me. I'm going to throw that career capital away. I'm going to pull out what's important and I'm going to move on to be a, a yoga instructor. I don't know. I think that might be even the, the example that uh, Cal Newport might have mentioned in one of his um, uh, newsletters years ago. But yeah, like totally different in a sense. But is it? I don't know. If he was a method actor, maybe that there, there's some transferable things to be somebody who decides to to do yoga or to teach others yoga. So anyway, I say that there are facets of reinvention because he still is acting but having overcome particular struggles you would have not even like and this is this is so important seeing him in real life or of course through uh television um or on the screen you wouldn't have ever thought that he had substance abuse issues so reinvention and you can even argue for actors that they reinvent themselves for every role and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother situation a whole nother discussion probably to be had and the 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 mental strength you need to have to be that kind of actor okay but those are a couple of examples and i definitely want to explore more and even go deeper so we'll do that some case studies or some highlights um, spotlights rather to really dive into what it looks like in the real world and from different areas. It doesn't have to all be from entertainment, right? Uh, but it can, you know, I mean, or literature, there can be people, I don't know, someone who is a chemist who decided to reinvent themselves. You know who I think of now that I think about it? And I actually wrote a piece about this, Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton, who was the author of not just Jurassic Park, but Andromeda Strain, a whole slew of books. He wrote under a particular pseudonym, pseudonym at the time, but I would even consider him reinvention because many of you may not have known this, but he actually went to med school. And having done the four years and then going through med school, I think the last thing that he had to do was like his residency. And he decided not to do that, but to do writing full time because he started to do that by keeping him, by uh, paying his tuition. So he was doing writing gigs to pay the bills. But then he transitioned from being the scientist to being a writer. I think that would be a great, I, uh, a great example of reinvention where it didn't happen suddenly. But there may be things in your life that you've already been doing, but it's been like the secondary or tertiary thing 
maybe to pay the bills or, you know, as a hobby. And then you decide to go full on into that thing, into that practice. Cause now you no longer see yourself in Crichton's case as a med student, you see yourself as an author, like full on full time. And, uh, if, if you don't know this, he actually was the, the, uh, I don't know if it was the producer, but the writer of, um, of ER at the time, which was, I think, I don't know if it still is, but the longest running television show, at least back then. Um, so that was something also interesting to note. And the career capital transferred over because as you can see in the books that he has written sphere and all of the other ones that he's written, it has very real very tangible scientific elements really makes you wonder, wow, can this really happen in real life? You, you know, he also wrote West world, the actual book before it became a series. Uh, did he, did, I don't know if it was a book, but he definitely was a part of, or not a part of, but I think he definitely penned that, whether if it was a, a, a series first, like an older series, and then it turned into the new one that we now see on HBO. But point is a lot of what he's written has come from, the work that he did as the med student that he was uh, he was planning to become the doctor he was planning to become all right so i hope that answers your question here's another one i'm at a crossroads and thinking of making some drastic changes what strategies can i employ to ensure a smooth and successful reinvention process all right well, I will start off by saying, don't expect your reinvention process to be smooth for a couple of reasons. So I mentioned this before, but I am a UX design instructor, user experience. And what I do is I help students within a span of three months uh, for those who maybe are exploring a new career path or maybe uh, career transitioning. So they're already working full time in one position and they decided to take three months off in order to make a full on 180 in a sense direction into something that's totally like they've never done something in, in this regard. And if they have, it's it's never been intentional. Right. And yeah, so people from different walks of life and in three months, we're giving them the skills the mindset, well, we can't really give them the mindset, but we're introducing them to and challenging them to have the mindset of a designer and then giving them support after they graduate boot camp so that they can actually get placed into a job. They are reinventing themselves. Many of them are reinventing who they want to be professionally. And it is not smooth. I will tell you this right now. There are students who thought it was going to be a piece of cake. And in week one, in week two, they're like, oh, this is this is not that bad. And then week three hits and they say, oh, my goodness. Not that we didn't warn them. We have. But, you know, we're human beings. You got to feel it in order to believe it oftentimes. And so I would say remove the idea that it would be smooth because not even Michael Crichton's transition, as I was telling you, was technically smooth. But the smoothest that you'll get is if you have been actually working at a particular craft that hasn't necessarily been totally connected. And because you've been working at that craft while you've been doing something else and you decide to transition, that's probably the smoothest that you'll get. But I'm pretty sure there was tension between him writing a book and maybe finishing a paper or, you know, doing a lab or something right at the time. So I would keep that in mind as far as uh, as far as smoothness is is concerned. But. A strategy would be doing what I just mentioned. So as I teach design, many times it's good to immerse yourself into something long enough to determine whether or not 
you really think about Ikigai again are passionate. Because there are many times that you just don't know what you're passionate about until you just you, you just haven't tasted enough things. And even as grown adults, even as it sounds kind of redundant, right? But even as um, uh, uh, people in our, in our 30s or 40s, or in our 50s, we might not have tasted enough about life to realize, oh, wow, I really enjoy cooking. I just never really, you know, thought that it was something that I would enjoy doing. So I would suggest that you taste what's out there, things that you might not have experienced before. I would also suggest because you're at this crossroads of making some drastic changes, you probably already know the drastic changes that you need to make. And those drastic changes may not necessarily be leaning towards you reinventing. It could just be for you to realign yourself. But if we're talking about major changes to your thinking and to your ideology, yeah, then that's a, that's a reinvention piece right there. Um, so I hope that's helpful. If you're at a crossroads, you probably just need to pull the trigger, pull the ripcord, take the next step. And if you're like, no, that's not really me. I just, I'm not just, I'm just not sure where to go next. I'm just wondering whether or not I should make those drastic changes. Ask yourself the question, well, if you do, what do you have to lose? Because many times making drastic changes is easier. If you're single, if you don't have any children, if you're not uh, a caregiver for loved ones. So it's easier to make drastic changes. I would even say make those drastic changes when there are less strings, in a sense, attached or, or relationships that are not as impacted. Versus if you're, let's say you're married, you might not be able to just go up and, and go two years to another country. Might not be feasible. Unless you have a partner who is like-minded and they're like, yeah, I'm coming with you, <laughs> you know? Um, so I hope that helps to at least begin to answer the question. Oftentimes, those of us who are at a crossroads, you just need to just take the next step. It's probably been knocking at your door and nudging at you for quite some time. And now you just need to do the thing. All right. Okay. Uh, how about this one? And I'll just take a, a couple of a couple more here. How do I overcome the fear of stepping out of my comfort zone when attempting to reinvent myself? I think this is kind of related to the previous question. Uh, the answer applies itself to overcome the fear of stepping out of my comfort zone when attempting to reinvent. First of all, don't attempt to reinvent yourself. I believe that reinvention can happen in one of two ways. One way is the strategic, like, okay, you know what? There has to be a change. I want to change who I am as a person. I'm choosing to become a different individual altogether. I want to be better. I want to think differently about things. When people see me 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I envision them saying, wow, I, you are not the same person that I noticed. Because not only do you look different, but you're speaking different. You're moving different and moving, whether that's physically or financially or philosophically, all of the lilies. All right. But what I'm saying here is you have that way of doing your, um, lost my train of thought here with all those leaves that I was saying of, of, of stepping out of your comfort zone. Okay. The other way I really definitely, yeah, you know, y'all, I really just lost my train of thought. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm just going to reel, reel back in and hopefully it'll come back to, to uh, what I was going to say here, but by overcoming the fear of stepping out of your comfort zone, ask yourself, what are you afraid of? 
And I think what I was going to say before with this attempt, there's no attempting. Like you just, ha you just have to, you just have to choose to do it. And I think that's what it was. It was the choice. That's where all the, all of the Lees came from. You know, you can, you know, when people see you 10, 20 years, they're like, oh, wow, you are different. But then there is the traumatic in a sense where there was an experience and it doesn't necessarily always have to be traumatic, but oftentimes it is something that has, it typically does have a negative impact on us. Loss of life, loss of a job. Usually it's a loss of something of a, of a, of a loved one, or I should say loss of life of a loved one, not, not your life, because then, I mean, what are you going to reinvent? Um, unless you believe in reincarnation and then you definitely, then there is a reinvention happening. No, but in all sincerity, you typically lose something to then ask yourself, wow, what is really important in my life? What is really important in life period? And you start to think through and prioritize what really matters in your life. Now, there are probably other things, but those are the two that I can think of right now where you have to choose to just go ahead and do it. And you start off with the things that I mentioned to you. And once again, there I know there are books and frameworks, and we'll get into that at some point. I'll read the books so that I can be a little bit more articulate in this arena so that I don't sound redundant. Um, but yeah, so there, there, of course, are resources on how to do that. Uh, and then sometimes there is just going to be life situations that will plunge you into reinventing into rethinking what your values are, into evolving because you have to adapt in the new environment that you're in. So about this fear piece, though, because that's where the crux is. You're not at a crossroads. You're just fearful of stepping out of your comfort zone. Well, ask yourself, and it's probably not even an ask. I mean, I guess you have to say, Say to yourself, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt enough. I'm so I'm too comfortable because I mean, you mentioned it, right? You don't want to step out of your comfort zone because it it's it's comfortable, obviously, but you're fearful that if you step out of it, something is going to be greater. The pain is going to hurt more than the comfort. And of course, of course it will because you're comfortable, but no growth happens unless there's some sort of pain. As an adult, you have new teeth. I mean, some of them may have fallen out depending on how old you are, but as an adult, you have new teeth, but that's because the old teeth, which are the teeth that grew in when you were a child, when you were a baby, or when you were a toddler, they grew in, but then they had to fall out. And I think this is going to be the same thing, just like how it works in nature, in biology, you know, growing pangs is, as, you're, as you're older. Well, I guess there's a difference between pangs and pains. So growing pains when you're, you know, hitting puberty and when, you know, you're, you're gaining muscle and your body's just transitioning, you're, you're getting bigger, like literally, like you're taller and all of that, you know, it, it's, it's growth. So perhaps maybe you ask yourself the question, am I okay staying in my comfort zone for the rest of my life, knowing that there's another world, another life out there waiting for me that I would never live because I didn't take the chance. And if you're comfortable with knowing that you can stay in your bubble of a comfort zone for the rest of your life and likely being miserable and then having the regrets when you get older, stay in your comfort zone. Stay right there. Pull up a couch, grab your favorite snacks, and watch what your life could have been on the imaginary TV as Netflix streams in front of you. So 
I know I probably sound a little trite about this, but I, I sound this way because I want you to, in a sense, treat your fear that way. Don't legitimize that fear. I mean, it's real. Embrace that, you know, embrace that emotion, but then make the fear smaller than the reality, than, than the possibility rather of what, what lies outside of that, beyond that fear. There's a whole new world out there. But you've made the fear bigger than that whole new world. So now you're not crossing the threshold into the special world that lies right in front of you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there's just this thin sheet called fear, maybe metal or whatever, thin sheet of metal or just a, maybe it's a cloth sheet. So a thin sheet, that's a sheet. I guess it would be a bed sheet. And you're so fearful because you, you can't seem to wrap your head around what's on the other side of that bed sheet. But you hear laughter, you hear music, you hear a confident person that kind of sounds like you on the other side, but you're not really sure what it is. And for your entire life, this sheet called fear, and maybe it's translucent, you might even see silhouettes on the other side, but you're not really sure what's going on over there, but it's you on the other side of that. And for the rest of your life, because you are so scared of just tearing that sheet down and walking into the other side, you ruminate until you die. Don't be that person. Face the fear, tear down the sheet, and cross over. Okay. Um, I think I don't know. It's it's we're we're about 33, 33 minutes. Uh, for those of you that are just joining, uh, and this is probably something that I should continually mention. I'm trying to be, and I hate using the word try, but I, I have this goal of keeping this podcast like a raw cast, as minimal editing as possible. The most that I would edit is if I think I'm getting taking too long to get to a particular point, then I would cut out some of that additional, what I believe is rambling, just so that you can get the value quicker. All right. But I'm beginning to realize that the way that my mind works, well, I'm not, I'm not beginning to realize, but I'm beginning to embrace that even on this podcast, that you do value the way that we get through, you know, through what's what I consider ramblings might be maybe gems for you. And then we get to the conclusion together, in this case, to answer a particular question. So I try my best not to throw away the things that uh, are meaningful, but really more so the things that are just cutting out rather, not throwing away, but cutting out the things that I don't think helps to move the uh, the the information, the answers, the insight that you're looking for. Uh, but I also embrace that this is how I communicate, at least on this platform. No, I do this in real life too, so there's that. Um, okay, yeah, let's let's end there. We're gonna continue to refine. I think every episode until one day I show up on social media with an actual image of it. And I might even do it before then because I do believe in the beauty of iteration. Uh, but we're going to continue to refine th these levels of reinvention. Uh, there's a framework that I use when it comes to replying to things, answering things, addressing things. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? And does it need to be said now by me? For the life of you, I can't remember where I found this. It might have been in a Forbes article years ago. But I think it's the same thing when it comes to this level, these levels of reinvention. Is it just my routine? Is it my vision? Or is it my entire life? 
So when my habits are no longer serving me, yeah, I think I just need to reset my routine. I just need to rearrange the furniture instead of renovating the room or the home. And then maybe I need to renovate the home instead of just rearranging the furniture. And if the rearrangement doesn't work and the renovation doesn't work, maybe I just need to tear the whole house down and build from the bottom up. Or maybe I just need to move and begin again somewhere else. All right, so that is all. I typically end with just saying thank you and come again. And this episode is gonna be no different. Thanks and come again.